Good morning. Would you please stand and sing with us this morning? Sing, 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 and make music with the heavens. We will sing, sing, sing. Grateful that you hear us when we shout your praise. Lift God, we thank you so much for this morning and for bringing us here. Father, we worship you right now. Your time is right now, Lord, and, and we give this this time to you and our and our lips and our tongues, Lord God. The words that we say are for you this morning, and, and we just worship you during this time. In your name we pray. Amen. perfect grace has brought me to this place 
Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Southfield. I hope you had a very, very Merry Christmas and you were able to celebrate the true spirit of Christmas this year, not just the feelings that the holiday brings. Um, You may be, at this time, I know our, our new year is quickly approaching. It's right around the corner. And you may be looking back on 2012 and just kind of reflecting on what kind of year it has been. Or you may be just forgetting about that and looking right to 2013 and uh, looking forward to the new beginning that you can get from a new year. Um, Whatever way you're looking, um, I know that we do take time to reflect and we do take time to look forward. But I know I don't know what's going to happen in 2013. I hope it's a great year. But I don't know. And I know that God does know. He knows everything that's going to happen. He knows where he's going to lead us. He knows um, where we're going to follow him. And we just need to surrender everything that we have to him. We need to do what we sang in that line. All that I am, I place into your loving hands. We need to place this year in his hands and place our lives in his hands so he can do whatever he plans on doing and what he wants to do in in this new year. To the cross I look To the cross I cling Of its suffering I do drink Of its work I do sing For on it my Savior Both bruised and crushed Shown that God is love And God is just I sing it out At the cross you beckon me Draw me gently to my knees, and I am lost for words. So lost in love, I am sweetly broken, holy surrender. What a priceless gift Undeserved life Have I been given Through Christ crucified You've called me out of death You've called me into life And I was under your Through the cross I'm reconciled At the cross you beckon me You draw me gently to my knees And I am lost for words So lost in love I am sweetly broken Holy surrender And all 
God, we thank you for this time here together. Lord, we pray that you would take our lives and take this next year, God, and just use this as a time of major growth. Father, we want to find ourselves next year closer to you. We want to draw closer to you and, and to what you have for us. And this morning is the first step of that, Lord, and we pray that you would open our ears to hear everything that you have for us and open our hearts to receive all of it too and to just grab hold of it and walk away with it and use it to change our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, it's really good to see you today. Hope you had a great Christmas and I'm glad you were able to come this morning. I'm Dennis. want to tell you about a couple of things as we get started today. As you walked in, you received a folder. There are a couple of things you need to see with that. So if you take that right now, it's really important. One thing we always do is on the inside, there's a card. And if you just go ahead and at least put your name on that, at the end of our teaching time today, we've got some commitments we're going to ask you to think about. And so this will give you a head start on that. And that'll be really, really helpful. The other thing I want to point out, though, is that if you look on the inside of your folder, on the right-hand panel, there are a lot of uh, information pieces, pieces about the church, phone number, things like that. And about a little over halfway down, you'll see some uh, listed Bible readings. We're going to be talking uh, throughout the morning about a Bible reading plan that we're going to be undertaking this coming year if you choose to join in. And one of the places that we will list the passages for you is every week in the bulletin. So whether it is getting those passages electronically or on the piece of paper, uh, you can get those either way. You'll also notice as you're leaving today the, the guest table on the outside. Uh, if you're new with us, you can take one of the books by Andy Stanley called How Good is Good Enough that helps you to get into a relationship with God and understand how that works. You'll also find some Bibles and uh, if you're going to be committing to doing some Bible reading this year, it's really important to have a Bible version that you can understand. Some of us read versions of the Bible that then when we're reading them, we're kind of going, huh, I don't, even, I don't even understand the language. So this Bible is just written in good American English. And if you don't have a Bible like that, feel free to take one. But one of the things you'll find on that table, and we'll have them there all year long, is a, a copy of the reading plan. So you have it on paper. Some of you aren't the computer type person. You like paper. Well, we'll make sure that we have the paper version available for you as well. So, and like I said, we'll talk about that more as the morning goes on. 
but that just kind of gives you a head start from time to time. I have all these little pieces, and, and the day will get done. I was like, oh, I meant to say that. I forgot that. So from now on, I'm trying to front load everything I can't afford to forget. So hopefully you got that, and we're good to go. Well, I hope it was a, a great Christmas for you. Uh, ours was pretty good. My kids, my family spoiled me with some great gifts. It's kind of fun to get adult children now, and they've, they've actually got money, and Mommy's not just going out and buying things for them and saying, oh, look, uh, a snail, or whatever, you know, you get that particular year. So I not only got things that I didn't expect, but, but I got some things that were on my list, and this was one of the things on my list. I'm so happy. It is an official raccoon possum trap. Look, you just pull it back and it opens automatically. It's got this nice guard on the top so that the little thing can't gnaw my fingers off. And I'm inviting all of you to my house next year for Thanksgiving where we will have all the raccoon and possum you could ever want to eat. I did not come up with an image today of roasted raccoon. I know some of you are still suffering over the possum from a couple weeks ago. I keep getting emails, anonymous emails, the raccoon. I dreamt about it last night, things like that. So I was a nice guy and left that alone. But um, this is this is basically, uh, I'll admit it, it's time for confession. This is my tool of revenge. Last summer, I grew this great corn. I mean, it was beautiful, and it was ready to go. And then this windstorm came along. I don't know if you remember it. And it just leveled all the corn. And before I could get out there and and gather it up, a raccoon came in and ate every ear of corn. Gone. All that work, all that watering through that drought, morning and night. So this year, that little dude's in for a surprise. He's going to find himself in here, and he's going to be relocating to Dollinger Farm, where he can get all the corn he can eat. Just leave mine alone. So, yeah, it was a fun Christmas. Hope you got some fun stuff, too, and had some great time with family. Christmas is done. Now what? Of course, now we move toward a new year, just like uh, Dana was talking about. And for a lot of us, that new year offers a, it offers a, a short season of reflection, a time to assess, a time to stop and say, where am I compared to where I was a year ago? What do I hope happens in this new year? And we, we go through that process of, of thinking it through. I wonder, do you ever take the time to really just think through your, your spiritual progress? Where are you in relationship with, to God? Are you, are you actually seeing some improvement in your life? Are you seeing that relationship growing closer? Are you seeing spiritual changes taking place in your life? I really believe this week between Christmas and New Year's affords a, a, a wonderful time for assessment. For a lot of us, work is a little bit lower pressure than normal. And, and we, we were able to just take some time and, and be pensive and to reflect and to, to think about where we are. So... I guess the question we'd have to ask then is if we're going to take some time to do assessment, what tool would you use to measure? How do you measure whether or not you're growing spiritually? I mean, I know how to measure this trap. I'd get out a ruler or a tape measure and I can go ahead and measure it. I use inches. That's the standard to measure size. But, but how do I measure spiritual growth? Is there a ruler? Is there a tool that I can use to say, hey, now I know how much I've progressed? Well, as you look in the book of Ephesians, Paul lays out a pretty good measuring standard. Ephesians 4.15 says, growing in every way more and more like Christ. And so very simply, if you're going to spend some time assessing in the next few days, you could ask yourself this question. Do I look more like Jesus this year than last year? 
Do I look more like Jesus than I did before this moment in time? There's this site that I like to visit. It's an, it's an image site called Daily Dose of Imagery. I've been following this blog for years. The fellow takes, takes pictures from all over Toronto. I grew up in Buffalo, and so we spent time in Toronto. And I just, every time, once in a while, he'll, he'll put an image out. And I'm like, oh, I've been there. I remember that spot. And this one came up this past week. And as I looked at it, I couldn't help but think of the analogy of where I am right now in my own life. And this, this week that I tend to take some time to assess. It's an image of a train track. And you can't even see the end. The way he's focused this in, it's beautiful. He's focused in on one rock sitting in the middle of the tracks. And then you see the tracks going on for, for what seemed to be eternity. And that's what we're doing this morning. We're, we're focusing in on the one rock. We're focusing in on this moment in time. And we're asking right here, right now, how do I measure up in terms of growing to be more and more like Jesus I think it's really helpful when we are evaluating our progress to evaluate it annually. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had a kid that's excited about their their height growth, but if you measure your child daily, it's not as exciting as as when you say, why don't we wait three months and see what happens, and you watch the distance. The same is true for our spiritual growth. It's really hard to determine how much I've grown from one day to the next, but you can look back a year and get a pretty good idea of what kind of growth has taken place in your life. So what I'd like to do this morning as we start is offer you some, uh, some tools, some questions, some areas that you could look at in this next year. And as you're doing that, you're asking yourself, am I looking more like Jesus or less like Jesus? Do I look the same as last year? And, and basically the three things that we should be looking at is asking, am I better than last year? Am I worse than last year? Or am I about the same as last year? If I'm better, that's great. If I'm worse, I'm, I'm sliding. But if I can say, well, I'm about the same, that's not very exciting either. That's stagnant. We always want to be growing more like Jesus. That's the goal the Bible lays out for us. So, for example, you might just look at, at issues of participation for you. Your kind of your, the activities of your life, in your public life. What's your involvement like at church or in groups and spiritual relationships or in serving? Now, I've got to say, with all of these, you need to measure both quantity and quality. Some might say, well, I'm attending church more than last year, and that's great. But you rest during the entire service comfortably on a pillow and aren't awake the whole time. Uh, That doesn't get us a gold star. You know what I mean? We want to make sure, is it a quality involvement? It might come down to serving. You say, I'm serving more than I did last year, but I'm miserable while I'm doing it and I'm hating every moment. Uh, Is that growing more like Jesus? Going through the motions, the quantity might be better, but how's the quality? How about your personal life? What's your Bible intake look like? Are you spending more time reading the Word of God on your own? Your prayer, issues of generosity. Are you growing more and more generous, releasing the things that belong to God in the first place? Or how about your private life? Binding habits. Those habits that you pray to God all the time. I wish this would just go away. Are you doing better than a year ago by the power of the Spirit and the grace of God? Unproductive actions. Or you might even just ask the question, who am I when nobody's looking? Does that person look better than a year ago? So these are all participation questions you might want to ask. 
By the way, you don't have to be scribbling madly. I'll send all these to you electronically as long as we have your email address. So, um, but you can use any of these tools to really assess where you are in your relationship with God. How about evaluating your spirit or your heart? You may just want to use Galatians 5, and 23, the list of what is called in the Bible the fruit of the spirit. Not the fruits, but the singular fruit. It talks about love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Some of those are a little bit more measurable than others. For example, you may be able to look at your life and say, I have a better sense of self-control this year than a year before. Or, wow, I've let loose of everything. So you can measure that one. Patience is never a difficult one to measure. How are you doing with that? Are you, are you able to maintain your composure or are you finding yourself flying off the handle more than you did before? Further, let me give you a, a series of questions you might ask. And these have to do with attitude and motive. I think our attitudes and our motives are very often uh, revealed in our spontaneous reactions. Not the controlled moments where we're, where we're looking all churchy, but in our spontaneous moments when things just Boom, they happen, they erupt. How did I react to the emotional situations that happened this past year? How did I handle unpredictable events? There are things that happened in 2012 that you never guessed were going to happen in your life. Did you handle that, embracing that God was in control, or, or you know, did you fall apart? How did I handle disappointing moments? How did I handle uncontrollable situations? Those times that, that God is in charge and there's nothing you can do except enjoy the ride. How'd you do with those? How about relational conflicts? Or times that you were confronted and needed to be a vulnerable. When somebody confronted you did, you, did you receive that information graciously? Or were you defensive and hard to the point that the person just decided, I'm done giving advice to him or her. It's, it's not worth the time. How did you handle moments of temptation? Better than a year ago? How about this final one? This is an interesting question. How did I react when others were celebrating? It's funny, a lot of us do really well when someone else in our life is suffering. We come to their side, we help them out. But what about when things are going really well for them? Are you able to celebrate with them, be happy with them? Or inside you find yourself kind of envious, jealous, wishing it was happening to you instead of to them? These are all different questions and tools that you might use in order to come back to that measuring stick and ask yourself that question. Am I better, worse, or the same? Am I more like Jesus or less like Jesus? Am I stagnant or have I really seen some growth this past year? And we should always be striving toward further growth. So I have a series of assignments for you this morning, and here's the first one. Just think it through. Using these concepts and questions, and again, we'll mail them to you if you want, or some other questions of your own, measure your spiritual growth this past year. Have you grown? Where and how much? You can ask yourself the question, have I grown in every way more and more like Christ, just like we find in the book of Ephesians? Now, I want to go back to the train track again. And I want to zero in on on one rock sitting in the middle of the track. One area that each of us need to evaluate and ask, how am I doing with this? And what can I do in the year to come? 
For some of us in this particular area, we've become derailed this past year, or we've never gotten on the rails at all. And so we want to encourage everybody to kind of jump on the track and start out together in a new year of doing something that you may never have done before, or you need to get in the habit of again, or you need just some refreshing and getting going. And that's the area of Bible intake. No one can legitimately say, I am growing more and more and more like Jesus and ignoring input from this book. It doesn't work that way. This is the book that helps us to become more and more like Jesus all the time. And not just by sitting in church on Sunday morning and hearing a half hour of talk about it, but actually spending time on a consistent basis reading what the Word of God has to say. So as we get started on this, I guess I would ask the question, why don't we read the Bible? Because the truth is, for a lot of us, we may open it occasionally. Maybe it's an emergency and we're looking for something that will help us. But on a regular basis, we don't find ourselves diving in and just taking in the Bible like food, like spiritual nourishment, just eating what God has to say every day. What's going on there? Why don't we? I want to give you some of the most common reasons I'm given when people answer the question of why they don't read the Bible. You know, for a lot of people, they didn't know they could. They came from church backgrounds that didn't necessarily forbid reading the Bible, but didn't encourage it. They kind of said, uh, leave it up to the scripture scholars. Leave it up to the people who know. They'll explain everything to you. And so you didn't even know you could pick it up and read it on your own. But guess what? You can. That's pretty cool to read it on your own. Uh, For a lot of people, it always comes down to this word. I just don't have the discipline. I don't have the discipline to do something every day. You know what's funny about that is I have the discipline to do a whole bunch of things every day that I don't even, I wake up, somehow food ends up in my mouth, somehow I breathe. There are certain things that just come naturally, but there are others that, yeah, it takes some work. What do we do in order to make that a habit? Some people say, you know what, they're just real honest. I don't know that I want to. I don't want to read the Bible. They don't have the desire. And that's an important one. We'll talk about that in a moment. How about confusion? Anytime I read the Bible, I'm more confused than when I started. I just, I start reading. I'm like, who's this person? And what, you know, you're going to start reading the Bible this year. You're probably going to start in the book of Matthew and you're going to start with one of those lists of names. You know, he begat, who begat, what begat, how. And you're going to, what does this mean? What is this all about? And so there's confusion over what the Bible says. Maybe you just say, I read the Bible, but I don't see results. I expect more to happen if I'm going to invest that kind of time. Speaking of time, some people say, I just don't have the time to do it. I mean, even just a couple verses a day. My life is so busy, I can't fit it in. And then there are those that say, uh, I don't have a plan. I don't know where to start. Should I just start in Genesis and start reading? Should I read the Bible every day, the whole Bible? How much should I read? What should I read? What should I do? So we're going to talk about some of those things and hopefully give you some help in getting on track with this. I want to go over to a passage of the Bible that talks about the benefits of reading the Bible. King David loved the Bible. Now, the funny thing is, when you think about what David read, it was probably just the five, first five books of the Bible. I mean, some of the Bible, he's actually in the middle of writing it. The Psalms. Uh, His son is going to write Proverbs. That doesn't even exist yet. None of the New Testament, none of the the prophets exist yet. So he has those five books and he's reading them continuously and trying to understand more and more about God. 
And as he reads those books, he writes a a really classic and wonderful chapter of the Bible. It's Psalm 119. This is the longest chapter in all of the Bible. It's 176 verses long. And it is poetic and it is beautiful. It's creative. If he handed this in to a teacher as a project, he would have gotten an A plus for creativity alone. It's called an acrostic psalm. An acrostic, maybe you've done this before. You've taken your name and put a, put a word that goes along with every one of the letters in your name. So Mike M. Magnificent. And you work your way down and come up with this great acrostic. David wrote an acrostic psalm, and this is the way it worked. He, of course, used the Hebrew letters of the Bible, or of the alphabet, not the English. So the first Hebrew letter is Aleph. And if you were to open up Psalm 119 in most Bibles, you'll see that over the first eight verses is the word Aleph. And before you used to go, what in the world is that? And now when you're in a study and everybody's kind of going, what in the world is that? You can look incredibly intelligent and say, why, that's the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet right there. Did you know this is an acrostic psalm? And you have to do it in that voice. So anyway, (laughs) you have the letter Aleph. And then there are eight verses. Every one of these 22 sections has eight verses. And every verse, though you don't see it in English, because again, this is written in Hebrew, every one of those verses start with the letter in that section. So all eight verses in the first, all eight verses in the first section start with the letter Aleph. And every one of them just go on to talk about how much he loves the word, the instructions, the commandments, the statutes, everything God has to say. And what he does in this passage is gives us a great idea as to why we should be in love with taking in the Bible and the benefits of what we find there. Let's just go over a few. Psalm 119.7 says, As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. You see, David, David just lays forth this self-evident truth. I can't know what God wants if I don't read what God wants. I can't know how God wants me to live if I don't read about how God wants me to live. So this is life's instruction manual telling us how we're supposed to live. And David's saying, as I understand it, I promise I will live it. He goes on in verses 9 and 11, which are are fairly common verses. He says, how can a young person stay pure? Well, they stay pure by obeying the word, by obeying the Bible. And in verse 11, he says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's not necessarily talking about memorizing verses. It's talking about making the Bible part of your life, living what the Bible says. Actually, just, you know, taking it in as spiritual nourishment and making it part of our existence. In verse 18, he says, open my eyes to see the wonderful truths of your instruction. Here he's saying that Bible intake is vital because it helps me to see and understand the way God thinks. It helps me to develop a biblical worldview. You know, the television is helping you to develop a worldly worldview. It's helping you to develop a human worldview. The Bible helps you to see the world the way God sees it. And that's what we want as believers. We want to see reality the way God sees it, not just the way other human beings see it. He keeps going. In verse 27, he says, Help me understand the meaning of your commandments 
and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. You know, one of, the, one of the benefits of reading the Bible is it actually helps us to engage in a relationship with God. There are times that I'm reading and I don't understand, and I'm actually able to say, God, I need your help. I need your Spirit's guidance to understand what your Word has to say. So actually, in reading the Bible, we can start engaging in a conversation with God. He goes on in verses 33 and 34 to say, Teach me your decrees, O Lord, and I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I will obey your instruction. I will put them into practice with all my heart. In the one verse he says, Help me, and another verse he says, Teach me. Part of what reading the Bible helps us to do is realize our incredible dependence on someone other than us. And it is one of the most fundamental things every one of us need to learn in life. We are not able to take care of all life on our own. We are dependent on someone other than us. We're dependent on God. I love this verse, verse 37. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Do you watch any of these like the the, the pawn star shows or anything like that Uh, they bring antiques they bring things in and they're about to sell them i'm always amazed at how much people think their junk is worth you know they'll say outside of the store i'm planning to get five thousand bucks for this thing and they find out it was made at walmart and they didn't see the stamp on the bottom or something have you ever invested in something and you found out afterward it was completely worthless makes you sick doesn't it whether it's investing money or investing energy and time and you find out it was worthless, what does he say? God, would you turn my eyes away from worthless thing? Would you help me to realize what is really valuable and what's a waste of time? We learn that through spending time in the Bible. Again, one of the more common verses, Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Part of the picture that I love there is a lantern. And David is walking along. If you've ever used one of these, you know that uh, they only provide about enough light for your feet and the step in front of you. Uh, they, don't, they don't light 500 yards down the path. It's right here, right here in the circle. And that's basically what God reveals to us. The next step and the next step and the next step. And so the word of God is helping me to see the next steps of my life. I know if you're anything like me, you find yourself saying, God, if you would let me know what's going to happen in the next 10 years, that would be so helpful. And God says, how about today? How about just today? And that's what the Bible helps us to see. What are we supposed to do today? What's the step we're supposed to take today? How are we supposed to live today? So here's your second potential assignment got a whole list of these for you today because I know you have nothing to do all week long. Here you go. Read the rest of Psalm 19 and answer this question. Why is Bible intake vital? What are the benefits? 176 verses. I promise you, in those sections, you are going to find other benefits besides the ones listed here today because David was in love with God's word. And the more he took in God's word, the more he exhibited that character that God talked about, being a man after God's own heart. Let's go back to that chart that we were looking at just a couple moments ago. 
Why do people not study the Bible? Why do people not open it up and read it during the week? Why do they just depend on the church experience, but then they they leave this thing alone? I already talked about the first one. They don't know they could. I mean, they just had no idea. They were never told it's okay to pick up a Bible and read it. And I'm just saying, you can. The Bible is clear. This is really a, a cool word in theology. It's called the perspicuity of Scripture. What that means is that anyone... Because we're all, the Bible refers to us all as the priesthood of believers. Not just certain people, but all of us are able to approach God. Because of that, every one of us with study can understand what the Bible says. It's not only reserved to the guy with the rev in front of his name, or the person who studied certain things at school. Anyone with effort can understand what the Bible has to say. So if you thought you couldn't, congratulations, you can. Start reading. On discipline, hey, we all do need discipline. There's no question. The Bible tells us we should embrace discipline. But I don't know about you, any area of my life where I find myself saying, I just don't have the discipline to do it, that never motivates me. It never motivates me to say, what I really need to do is just go buy a pound of discipline. Whenever I'm feeling the need for discipline, what I find more helpful is to find friends to find help. What the Bible says is that God is willing to assist you in this process and that you've got a whole room full of friends that will help you to do that as well. So don't worry so much about whether or not you have discipline. Do you have some other people that will grab your hand and pull you along as well? And that's what we hope to provide is some, some help for everyone along the way. That desire, well, the truth is you gotta have it and there's nothing I can do to infuse it. You got to want it. Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews tells us that if we're going to have, we, we have to have faith in order to please God. Everyone in order to please God has to have faith. It's not possible to please him without it. And anyone who wants to come to him, first of all, must believe that he exists. And then beyond that, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. What we need to believe is when we're taking the time to read God's word, that he is willing to reward us as we seek him. And the reward, I believe, is understanding. Not a gold star, but understanding more of what God is saying to us. How about confusion? It's just too hard to understand the Bible. Do you realize there was a time in your life sometime in first grade that a teacher said, do you know what two and two is? And you went, "Uh, I don't know. And you pulled out all your fingers and you went, "Ah, I know these things will help. I only need one. One, two, three, four. Four? Good answer. Congratulations. And then the next day the teacher asked the same thing and you went, "Ah, I don't remember. And about three or four days of this and before you know it, it was like, I mean, right now if I asked you what's two plus two, the overwhelming majority in their sleep could go four. And the others are resting. So what are you going to do? Two plus two is four. How about this one? Do you remember the day the teacher said, okay, remember all those letters we taught you? Now we're going to mash them together. It's called cursive. I remember laying in bed getting the sweats over this thing. I'm like, I'm just finally learning how to print. Now you're going to make me write all fancy. And the teacher had the old-fashioned, swirly, beautiful cursive. And I'm just like, I will never learn to write like that. I write in cursive now. It is absolutely illegible. But I can write in cursive, and it's amazing. And then as you're going along in school, one day the teacher says, okay, you got that 2 plus 2 thing. Now we're going to mess things up a little bit. We're going to introduce something called fractions. 
And at least on the little fractions, we're probably all doing pretty well. We won't take that one too far. The truth is, there are facts you know now in your sleep. And there was a day that you used to sweat over whether or not you'd figure them out. The same is true with the Word of God. You're not going to understand everything the first time through or the fifth time through. I still don't understand everything, but I'll tell you this. I understand more than when I started. And that's the idea. The idea is progress. I tell you, if you're going to start a reading program and you've never done one before, don't start in Leviticus and don't start in Revelation. Just leave those two for later. Start where we're talking about. Start in the Gospels. Start in the New Testament. Start in places where where you can understand a good portion of what you're reading. I mean, you look at the Christmas story. It said the words, nothing is impossible with God. How hard is that to understand? Nothing is impossible with God. And you know what? You can take that verse with you all day long with everything you're confronting. Nothing is impossible with God. So you understand what you can. You don't see results. You got to trust God on that. Because believe it or not, you are changing and you don't even realize it. And that's why we measure growth year to year. Because as you look back a year ago, you're able to say, wow, there are some things I was struggling about a year ago. I don't even think about them now. There's been real growth. As for time, I think the fact is we could all probably eliminate one or two things from our lives that are a waste of time. The bigger issue with time is not do you have enough time, but finding a rhythm on reading. Finding a time of day that works. Being able to say, I'm going to do this every day at this time or around this time. Because whenever we get in a habit like that, it helps us to stay consistent. Then there's that thing, I don't have a plan. I got news for you. There are plans, more plans than you can count right now in terms of ways to read the Bible. Plans on paper, plans online, all kinds of ways that you can read the Bible. Um, To give you an idea of just a few, you might just decide on some of these sites, you you can get a verse a day sent to you. Just sent your email, a verse a day, and you go ahead and read that. That would be great. My wife, Kim, likes to read one book of the Bible a month. So she'll just take like 1 Timothy and she'll read that book every day for a month. And what she finds is as she spends time in just one book. She starts working through the layers of that book and understanding it more and more. Maybe you decide, we did this a few years ago, to read the, the proverb correlated with the day. So Proverbs has 31 chapters. Today is the 30th of December. You'd read Proverbs 30. See, there are, there are lots of different plans that you could use. You could do a one-year Bible and all kinds of other ways. How do you decide which plan is, is for you? Well, you kind of got to take a three bears approach, okay? Too much, too little, just right. What's too much reading? Too much is when you're reading for reading's sake. When all you're doing is reading and you get done and you say, congratulations, I finished it. I don't know a word it said, but, but I finished it. At one time, I I was introduced to a Bible reading program. You could read through the entire Bible in 90 days. It involved reading 12 chapters of the Bible of the day, at at least. I'd go racing through that, and I'm not kidding. About five days in, I went, I'm not getting a thing out of this. But I read it. Woo! That's not the goal. So too much is when you're just reading and you end up saying, I'm just reading for reading's sake. What's too little? Is a verse a day too little? That's not the issue of, of amount. The issue of too little is, do you understand what the verse is saying? Uh, you can read a verse, 
But you better understand what the verses around it are saying to make sure that you're understanding it correctly. When I was in college, we had a chapel speaker one day who literally said, one day I was reading the Bible and I read a verse and it said, go to Jerusalem. And so I went and booked a plane ticket. I'm kind of going, that is warped. Really? That's the way you understand the Bible to just go ahead and take something like that and pull it out and do whatever you want with it? You've got to understand what was happening in the passage. So too little would be to just grab verses and make them say what you want them to say and not understand what God is saying. What is just right? Just right is when you have the context of the verse and you have clear focus. When I read, for example, the program I'm doing right now, when I read three chapters of the Bible of the day, I try to write down a handful of the verses, no more than five, so it is a literal handful, no more than five verses that I say, these are the ones that hit me today. So as I'm reading through that Christmas story, I find myself writing, nothing is impossible with God. And I write down these verses, and then I'm able to look at that handful of verses and pick one or two and say, these are the ones I'm going to focus on today. Because you want the context, but you also want clear focus. You want to take it with you through the day. So what we're suggesting, if you want to jump on with us, is to get involved in a reading program that will take you through the New Testament, if you want, four times this year. Four times. Uh, 89 days. And you see it on the piece of paper, again, back on the table. We actually put down the starting dates. This one will start on, on January 1st and then on, on March 30th. You go to a site called uversion.com. Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N.com. Uh, online Bible. It's a great site. It offers all kinds of different uh, versions of the Bible. I use New Living Translation because it's pretty understandable. Sorry about these, these screenshots are not turning. They look great on my computer, I promise you. But if you go down two buttons on the left side, you find the reading plans. And this reading plan is called the Cell Rule of Optina. I wish it had a better name. But basically, this is a group of people that designed a reading program where they're reading one chapter of the, gospel of the, day, of the Gospels each day and two chapters of the rest of the Bible. So the first day is the first chapter of Matthew, and the first and second chapter of Acts. Now, you may say, that's too much for me. How about if you just read the one gospel chapter every day? You'll work your way through all four gospels in 89 days. The idea is not to, you know, wow, I made it through the whole Bible in a certain amount of days, but did I get the Bible intake I needed in order to see growth happen? Now, part of what is great about this site, if you work your way through that plan, they offer, they offer some things that are helpful to you. For example, you can get the, um, the reading of the day emailed to you at whatever time of the day you want. They have a button called Catch Me Up. Sometimes we fall behind. I don't know why it is, but with reading the Bible, this is the one area we don't offer ourselves grace. If we fall behind, we're like, oh, i got to take two weeks off work so I can catch up on my reading program. No, you just say, I'll go back to where I was and keep going, keep going. Or you can even hit another button that's basically kind of a new button that says, I'm just restarting the plan all over again. But this is the part I love. The, the bottom one's called accountability. And through the accountability site, you can actually friend other people on the site and then send to them once a week how you're doing on your reading plan. The program will do that for you. Now, one thing I didn't realize, this is on a computer. You won't find this part on your mobile devices. 
So if you're going to use the friend piece, you've got to go to an actual computer. You won't find it on your phone, iPad, or whatever other uh, tool you're using. So I'm suggesting this for anybody that wants to jump on and try it. Again, you can modify it to whatever works for you. If you want to just read the Gospels, just read the other part, whatever piece. But the bottom line of it all is every one of us need to have a plan, an approach for how we're regularly intaking the Word of God. If you take out your card right now, I want to go through a couple of these commitments that we these commitments that we talked about this morning and give you a chance to actually respond to them. The first one is I will invest the time to chart my spiritual growth. Uh, I'll send you those electronic questions as long as you give us your email and you can think through how am I doing in in comparison to where I was a year ago. The second one is that idea of taking Psalm 119 as a reading assignment and asking the question, okay, what does David say in terms of the benefits of reading the Bible? The third is just simply broadly, I'll decide on a reading program for the year. I'm going to do something. The fourth is I'd like to go ahead and jump in on the one you're talking about, where we read through the New Testament together. And then the fifth is just an opportunity, sometimes with presenting a website like version or whatever, it would be helpful to you to sit down with somebody and see how it works side by side. So kind of like we did not too long ago with the prayer seminar, if it would be helpful for you to get together some evening, we'll get a group of people together and walk through how the site works, you can check that off and we'll find a time that's convenient for that group and meet together and help you to understand how to make that work. But again, remember, you don't have to go to the site in order to follow the plan. You can do the reading out of your bulletin. You can use the chart that we've given to you on the table, however you want. And then we'll come back here at the end of 2013, and we're going to pull out the yardstick again, and we're going to check our growth. Again, the yardstick being growing in every way more and more like Christ. Let's pray together right now. Our Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray that we will take on the the challenge of reading it not just seeing it as, a, as something that we need to conquer, but God, seeing it really as a, a vital piece of our spiritual growth and nourishment. I pray that we will have desire grow in, in us that says, I really want, I want to get into the Bible. I want to know what God says. I want to grow through spiritual intake. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This morning we'll participate in communion. Uh, Two cups will come to you, bread on the bottom and juice on the top. And as you participate in communion, I'd encourage you to do two things. One is to spend some time in confession. Spend some time talking to God about where your life is and and repenting of whatever sin you might need to repent of. And then just enjoying enjoying the fact uh, that God has revealed himself to you. Why don't you spend the time thanking him for that today? Sing a new song to him.
sits on heaven's mercy seat. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Sing a new song to Him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of kings. You are my everything. So 